0: You may go ahead and be seated. Um, If you are not here or familiar with Terranova, I am not Paul Feketa, but I'll be introducing him in a moment. So I'm Daniel Williams and I serve as the lead pastor here at Terranova in Saratoga. It's good to have you this morning. Even though last week was our first week where we had one service, um, uh, this is the first week where it's kind of like starting to just be our full expression of Terranova at one service. So we're glad to have you guys here for this. Also in which pretty much Seating-wise, things are back to normal, except for that one section in the back. Um, For those who would prefer to use that to have a little bit more distance, feel free to do that. We'll have that available uh, for the weeks to come as well. Just know that. Um, One other thing that we'll be shifting back to what, for us who've been here at Terra Nova historically, uh, is normal, is the way we do communion, or at least as an option for you. Uh, So communion, if you're unfamiliar, is one of the two sacraments Jesus left the church with to remember him by. Um, where we take bread and we take a cup of wine or juice and we remember his body broken for us and his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So we've been doing for the last year and a half that through the prepackaged wafers and cups, but today um, Ruben, Todd and myself when we come to that point in the service after the sermon we'll be standing up front and serving you for those of you who would like to receive communion that way. You can take a piece of the broken piece of matzah and then dip that into the wine or juice as Ruben and I speak the truths of what those things represent over you. There will also be some of the pre-packaged cups of wafers and juice at the front. If you're more comfortable um, receiving it that way, take one of those cups, and we will still, we'll speak those truths over you as well. And those will remain available too uh, for the weeks and months to come as we just get a sense for where people are at and what they're comfortable with, okay? Um, so yeah, I wanna shift now to introducing Paul. Paul, go ahead and come on up. Uh, Paul Feketa, uh, um needs no introduction for many of you. For those of you who don't know Paul, uh, Paul and his wife Heather and their family have been a part of Terranova for a long time. I was trying to remember, actually, um, how, how many years you guys were in Troy even before we started Saratoga. So uh, maybe 10, 11 years, I don't know, a long time before we even planted here in 2013. The Feketa family was a part of our family um, of Terranova, and we've been blessed to have them They've served in so many different capacities together as tribe leaders at Terra Nova and a number of other ways. Um, You probably know Paul as outdoor adventurer extraordinaire who loves to combine his love for Jesus and his faith with bringing people into the outdoors. He's such a gatherer of people, especially in that context. Um, And uh, and yet also Paul has been a part of, along with Ruben Todd, our Explore Eldership Collective over the past year or so. Uh, just learning about and engaging in this process of discerning a potential calling on his life as to whether the Lord is leading him into an elder pastor role. During that time frame, Paul taught um, one of our sessions at the, uh, uh, L- uh, the men's retreat last year and did a great job. So we began to see an aptitude for teaching from God's word. We already knew had a love for it. Um, And so the next logical step was, hey, Paul, would you be interested in preaching on a Sunday? To which he said, you know, Daniel, I just feel like God is calling me to step out in faith and and do more and say yes to these kinds of opportunities. So it's so appropriate then that his passage, which he didn't know at the time, has much to do about faith today. It's also appropriate that his passage makes mention of a mountain, uh, which is something you'll often find Paul on top of. And so anyway, grateful for you, brother. Thank you for preaching from God's word today.
1: So good morning, Terra Nova. Uh, about a month or so ago, Daniel asked me to preach, and he said, "Hey, we're we're gonna do this this series on Matthew. There's we've got this section. It's five verses." I said, well, five verses? Wow, that that's pretty easy. How hard can that be, right? I can. That's really bound. It's gonna be simple." Boy, was I wrong. Um, the verses were very challenging, um, you know, and, the, and very difficult to try to interpret and understand. Um, and after going around what felt like circles, I was like studying. I'm like, where, where is this going? It dawned on me. I'm like, now I know why Daniel and Matt gave me this verse. It was the old give it to the new guy, give it to the new guy trick, you know. So, um, All joking aside, just bear with me. This is uh, my first time formally to kind of preach in a church service, so uh, bear with me. Let's read the Word together. If If you have your Bibles, you can open them up, or there should be some in the pew racks. Open up to Matthew 21, verses 18 through 22. Okay, let's read the Word of God. In the morning as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did this fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Let's pray. Dear God, um, we are humbled to be able to come before you. I am humbled, Lord, to be able to come before you in this way to, to hear your word, to teach about your word. Lord, give us faith today uh, to uh, open our hearts to be open to what you're teaching us, to what you're sharing with us, how you're challenging us. Father, I pray that our hands would also be open, Lord, with an with open posture where we would say, Lord, please uh, send down your word and your grace and your gospel in our time together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's set the stage. So we have Jesus, the day before, came in on a donkey. Uh, The triumphal entry, they're waving palm branches, everyone's really excited. Jesus the king, the prophet, is coming, Uh, he's coming to Jerusalem. Uh, A couple weeks ago, Madison's preached about this, uh, and so, you know, Jesus is, is coming and then after that long day, he goes out to Bethany. The next morning, they're walking back to Jerusalem. And Jesus is getting hungry. As Daniel said, I like to hike. Many of you probably here like to hike. You can get pretty hungry. Some of my hungriest moments have probably been, you know, food tastes amazing, right? So you're on that, you're walking. It's about two miles from Bethany, Jerusalem. Jesus is is hungry. Uh, And so he looks at the fig tree. It has the leaves. It has the appearance of fruit. Leaves is an indication that there should be fruit. He goes up. There's no fruit. And he curses the fig tree on the spot, and it withers. And then Jesus continues with his disciples uh, to Jerusalem. And then while he's in Jerusalem, he goes and he cleanses the temple. We heard about that a couple weeks ago with Daniel. Jesus uh, flips over the tables. He's driving the money changers out. Uh, And, you know, it's a big scene there in in the temple courts. So what's going on here? Okay. Uh, wh- why is Jesus cursing this poor fig tree? What did the poor fig tree do? It's just little, just standing there by the wayside, and it, here it is getting cursed. Um, it's pretty dramatic. And the disciples like, were listening in like, what, what, what's going on? Why did he do that? And when I first read this verse, I was like, what's going on? Why, <laughs> why did Jesus do this, right? But in typical fashion, Jesus is doing much more than what we see on the surface. Right? Jesus is going, he's teaching something deeper. This is again another one of those prophetic actions. So Jesus through his enactment here, he's teaching something to the onlookers, right? He's saying there's symbolism here, right? Um, just like when Jesus came in on the donkey through the east gate, that was all symbolism. That was all a prophetic action to fulfill um, prophecy in the Old Testament. The same is going on here. The fig tree here um, represents Israel, the nation of Israel. So the fig tree is Israel. Many times in the Old Testament, fig tree, Israel is represented as that fig tree. And many times in the Old Testament, God inspected Israel to see if they're bearing fruit. He inspected. He said, hey, let's check the fig tree in the Old Testament. And I'm going to read you the passages in a minute. He would say, is there fruit? Right? And w- Micah 7.1, woe is me, for I have become as when the summer fruit has been gathered, as when the grapes have been gleaned. There is no cluster to eat, no first ripe fruit that my soul desires. Jeremiah 8.13, when I gather, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the tree. Even the leaves are withered, and what I, have, and what I gave them has passed away from them. So Jesus is looking for fruit. He's looking for Israel to be bearing fruit. Well, why should Israel be bearing fruit? Let, let's back up. Why, what's going on with Israel? Well, Israel was God's appointed uh, nation to be a light to the whole world, to be a light unto the Gentiles. So God had a specific plan for Israel to be, to be a light. He was also wanted Israel to be obedient. God gave Israel the law. He gave them through Moses, and so he was expecting Israel to be obedient to God's word. But when Jesus looked upon closer inspection, right, the day before, appearance of fruit, hosan in the highest, waving the palm leaves, there's uh, all the bustle of Passover, there's all these celebrations, but it was all a show. It was all a facade. None of it was, was, uh, was true fruit jesus was looking and he longed he wanted to see fruit he loved israel it wasn't like he was happy like oh great there's no fruit he wanted to see fruit but this is this is the bad news this is the bad news right fruitlessness leads to judgment right god has given us a lot he gave israel a lot he gave israel uh, the, the fathers of faith abraham isaac jacob he gave them moses he gave them the prophets so the bad news here is that Jesus is, is spe- expects fruit from his people and, and they came up empty. And we may think, well, well, that, that really stinks for Israel. I mean, sorry Israel, I guess it's a bad day for you. But the Bible says we all lack fruit. All of us. All of us fall short. Uh, Romans 3.23, for all fall short of the glory of God. So this is, this is the bad news, right? And you're probably like, oh man, I'm glad I came to church this morning. This is, this is great. Thanks uh, for waking me up on this beautiful summer day. We may feel a little roughed up right now, okay? But take heart. We're not going to end here. I'm not walking off the stage, okay? Jesus doesn't leave us in this moment of facing our failures and our fears and our, uh, and our sin, But before we do that, I want us to to take an inventory. Where where do we have the appearance of fruit? In today's culture, it's very easy to manage your image, to project that you're bearing fruit. Social media, how you project yourself in public. right? So again, take a moment here to look inside. Where am I lacking fruit? Either as an individual, where am I lacking fruit? obedience where am i lacking um, being a light to others where am i lacking joy and patience and kindness and, and gentleness but also let's also consider as a church do we have the appearance of fruit in this body but when jesus takes closer inspection does he see that internal fruit that that joy and that peace and that intimacy with god Does does he see that when he looks inside All right, let's transition um, out of the bad news and into the rest of the passage. So in verse 20, right, we're gonna pick it up again, and the disciples are now gonna marvel at this miracle. Just a technical side note for for those who wanna make sure I did my homework, this is my first time, I don't wanna, you guys to think I'm, I'm missing something here. Matthew actually compresses the account of the fig tree. Verses 18 and 19, actually took place the day before Jesus cleanses the temple. And then verses 20 through 22 take place the day after Jesus cleanses the temple. Okay, So Matthew, because his style is to, is to group things thematically or by um, topic, he compresses it. If you go to Mark 11, you'll see that there's actually a day in between. And you can do that if you want uh, later and check, check up on my homework there. But um, so, so it's the next day verse 20 and now Jesus just cleansed the temple just drove them all out in this dramatic fashion and now they're coming back they're walking back again from Bethany to uh, Jerusalem and the disciples in verse 20 marvel at the, at the fig tree withering they're like wow that's amazing. It's like, you know, me on top of a mountain. Like, wow, you know, that's amazing. They're just, they're blown away. They're, that's where they're at. They're, but they're missing all the symbolism. They, they, I don't think they understand that that was a prophetic enactment, that Jesus had just cursed the temple, and then in 70 AD, the temple would be destroyed. I think, I think they were clueless here. I don't think I studied this text over and over I don't think they have any idea of the symbolism that's going on here. They're like They're just at this they're on the surface. They're dealing with things on the surface and That's okay Sometimes that's where we're at in our faith journey. We are not understanding the deeper things of God and so uh, Jesus Seeing that, that this is where they're at he meets them where they're at he pivots Right? It's almost like in, in the passage today, it's like, whoa, where's Jesus going? He, we're, he was just cursing a fig tree, and now he's talking about faith and faith that moves mountains. But he pivots to meet the, the disciples where they're at. What's going on with them? He's like, okay, they're into miracles. I have an opportunity here. I'm going to capitalize on this opportunity. And that's what our loving shepherd does. He meets us where we're at. Right? Um, I'll start. Quick story to illustrate: We went on this trip out west to some national parks, and we came back, and our flight got back at midnight, right? And so uh, it was late. We were exhausted. We had been traveling for twelve hours. We get to uh, we get to the airport, and uh, we can't find the keys to the car. No keys. So I am like in full panic mode, and like just totally just, you want to talk about being on the surface. I was very much on the surface. I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Panicking, going through every luggage. Things are flying out of the, the, the bags. I'm going through everything. I'm like, Heather, I'm sure I gave them to you. Where where are the keys? I, I'm positive. I gave you the keys. Heather's like, nothing here. I got nothing. I'm like, oh man, where are the keys? So I'm calling the lost and found. I'm calling Uber, and some guy with an accent I can't understand, is, I, it's just this big nightmare. And my son is off to the side. And he, uh, sorry, he, he was praying. Whew, I didn't think that'd be that hard. So anyway, he, uh, so talk about missing and what's going on. So he prayed, and then uh, he said, Dad, we're going to find the keys. So we, we did. Miraculously, half an hour into our search, we checked another spot. <clears throat> it happened to be in my wife's purse, but we're not going to lay any blame here. We're not going to lay any blame, okay? So, um, it's not the point here. I know I'm in the pulpit and all, but that's not the point. So, uh, but then two nights ago, we were reflecting him on the trip and I said, we went to Zion National Park, we walked through rivers, we, we did all kinds of things. Fun, you know, nonstop things. And I said, Weston, what was your favorite part of the trip? He said, in the airport. I said, in the airport? He's like, yeah, when we found the keys. That was my favorite part. So, uh, yeah. Whew. So talk about missing what was going on, right? So we're just like that. We tend to focus on what's going on in, in front of us, and we're missing that, that big picture, right? Okay, back to the, uh, back to the verse here. Um, let me get back to where I was. So Jesus meets them where they're at, right? Up until this point, the disciples had little faith. Jesus is hammering them over and over in Matthew. Five times he says, you have little faith, or because you had little faith. And he's just saying this to them, and, and they're just like, probably like where do i wh- what's going on how do i get this faith like where is this faith how do jesus help me get more faith right um and uh and jesus is like okay well i'll help you and and this is what he does he pivots and then he talks to them and gives them a lesson on faith in the rest of our passage today um but but where does this faith come from where how do we get it right so the good news, we started with the bad news, right? The bad news is fruitlessness leads to judgment. Now the good news is that Jesus provides a way through faith. He provides a way. When we were stranded in the airport, he provided a way, right? Through my son's faith. Um, so faith, just to kind of uh, tee us up, is belie- you know, the simple definition is believing in what you can't see. right? So you, you can't see something but you believe it's there you believe it will work you believe it it's going to happen that's at a at a base level or you know that that's faith in hebrews 11 1 talks about having faith in what you can't see right saving faith right saving faith is a, is the faith that we have when we come to believe jesus is lord so saving faith uh is the foundation saving faith it's not just a yeah i believe jesus is is the king it's it's more than that it's not just an intellectual belief or acceptance there's actually trust you have to trust in that god uh, is your savior you have to believe that A, a a simple analogy is you guys go get your cars uh the brakes repaired right when you're driving down the road you can't see your brakes. Um, you can't see if your wheel is attached properly either. So, you, you know, you're going down the road and you have to have a measure of faith, right, that the person who fixed your brakes did it correctly. You know, it's easy to stand outside the car and say, yeah, I have faith that the, the car will stop. But when you get in the car and you're going down the Northway at, some, I mean, 65 uh, miles an hour, you have to put your faith into action you have to press that pedal right and, and faith is trusting in in that object and it's only as good as the object in which you're putting your trust in if you're putting your faith in something that is weak or not going to hold up you got you went to a shoddy repairman that's that's a disaster right so faith is only as good as the object in which you put it in so this saving faith is the is the foundation and if you don't have saving faith, please talk to someone after the service or a friend um, that's the beginning that's the start of your faith journey right and Jesus uh, wants us to have this but he wants us to have more faith wait how, how does that how, how can we how can we have more faith in saving faith like wait what's going on here right so jesus there's this another concept of faith that introduced in this passage mountain moving faith mountain moving faith right and in in, in jesus' day the ex, the expression it was a common expression moving mountains was like a you know like a slang term for that's impossible that can't happen that's never going to happen you know it's seemingly it's just forget it you know it, it was it was like a, uh, a euphemism and so it was you, jesus used this expression a lot he talked about moving mountains several times in the gospel of matthew and we see it again here in our passage today and that be may be intimidating like moving mountains like how can i move mountains like that's that's crazy that you know we're talking like mount marcy take it and move it into the into the ocean right come on right that's not going to happen but jesus says okay You may think that's intimidating but he said that's the size of a mustard seed back in uh, chapter 17 of matthew it's not that big mustard seeds are pretty small right is it really that big it's accessible jesus is saying this is accessible this mountain moving faith is here for you to take the disciples were were sitting there gawking at the fig tree and jesus is saying you gotta dream bigger you gotta you got to see that, that, that there's something bigger here for you, right? The disciples were, were, were stuck just in the, focusing on the physical. They were missing the spiritual, right? They were missing the bigger picture. And so uh, Jesus is, you know, really inviting them to get off the sideline. Stop gawking, get in to the game, right? Uh, some of you may shop down Main Street here in Saratoga. Like the disciples are like window they're just like looking at the thing like wow and jesus is saying hey come on in i gave you the money to buy this or to purchase it come on in he's inviting them to dream bigger oh you think the fig tree is big wait till you do you will do greater things than that that inverted miracle where the poor fig tree was withered you're gonna do greater things and why is this important? Why, why is this important? The disciples, remember, are, are the, these guys have little faith at this point. But they need to start the church. They need to be the guys in Acts who are like doing miracles and doing all these kingdom works. So this is important that Jesus moves them along this faith continuum, right? That they get more faith. See, so you, you don't graduate from faith university. You don't, it's not like, it's like, okay, I've, I've got Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. I graduate, done with faith. No, the Bible says you keep growing in faith. You need four, more faith. You never stop needing faith. So, okay, let's, uh, let's regroup. How do we get this, this, uh, this mountain-moving faith? Well, we see one example of it again in Matthew with the Roman officer, the centurion. There's only two times in the the Gospels where Jesus is amazed. Only two times. One of them was the Roman centurion because of his great faith that his servant would be healed. Jesus was amazed. He said, no greater faith have I found in Israel than with this Roman officer. The second time is when the people in his hometown who were supposed to have faith didn't have faith. And he was amazed. So Jesus is on the hunt. He's looking for people to have faith, mountain moving faith. Uh, And again, he he invites us to, to dream bigger. So this is our big idea, right? I think it's up on the screen. Jesus wants his disciples to grow in faith so that through his power, they can move mountains. That's the big idea that I think Jesus wants us to take away in this passage, but I think he's building up to this all through Matthew. God wants us to both have faith and increase our faith. So how do we get this mountain-moving faith? It's hot. We got to get, get going here. How do we get this mountain-moving faith? We, just like saving faith, we can't conjure it up. We can't just be like, oh, if I try really hard, I'm going to believe that this mountain's going to move. How do we get this? Where does it come from? Well, first off, we need to ask for it. We need to ask God for it, right? Uh, In this dramatic fashion, in Mark 9, if you want, you can turn to that. Um, There's this boy who is demon-possessed. This dramatic scene, they bring the boy in front of Jesus, he starts convulsing, foaming at the mouth, and Jesus says, you know, how long has this been going on? And they're like, since birth, you know, and he's been trying to destroy himself, and and then the father says this in desperation, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. And Jesus says to him, if I can. Almost like rebuking him. What do you mean, if I can? Of course I can. And then Jesus responds, all things are possible for, one, for the one who believes. Then the father immediately responds, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And this is the posture we need to have. We need to ask God to help us with our unbelief. The opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is unbelief. Right? And so we need, we need help with our unbelief, to throw it in the trash can, to, to be done with it. Right? We play a role in this, though. Right? there's a bit of a tension here we play a role in cultivating our faith it's not like we can just sit on the on the pew and ask god for faith and then it just you know we play a role and, and this i'd say it's through the sanctification process as we grow and sanctification is a big word but it just means growing and making efforts to become more like jesus you know we 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 participate in this process and so how do we how do we participate i'm not a sailor but i will do my best to do a sailing analogy you have to raise the mast. You have to put up the sail. You have to get all the ropes and, I don't know, with like jigs or rigs or something like that. Um, you got to get it all set up. So what does that look like for us? We got to read the Bible. We have to pray. We have to hide God's words in our heart. We have to obey God's words. Like, it's kind of, we, we can't really expect God to answer our prayers if we're in open, unrepentant sin, right? Like, we're asking wrongly if we're doing that, right? So we have to put that sail up, but the wind—you're not going anywhere without the wind. If God doesn't provide the wind, if that sail doesn't fill up, you're stuck on Saratoga Lake, just looking at your buddy who's on the boat with you, right? There's no—you're not going anywhere. So that—that's a bit of a, you know, again, like the Holy Spirit. It's again, God provides faith. Faith is a spiritual gift. In Corinthians 12, it's listed as one of the spiritual gifts. It's one that typically gets overlooked. It's one that I typically overlook Um, I took this spiritual gift test and you answer all these questions and they say okay what are you good at and answer this and how do you what's your preference here and faith was always my lowest on the spiritual gift test like the lowest may have something to do with being an engineer being skeptical may have something to do with the fact that we live in this Western culture where we think we know everything we think we have everything figured out We're, we're so smart in science so this has been really, you know, this is like real time, like it took a lot of faith for me to get up and, and preach. And so, you know, God ask, I'm asking him for more faith and I'm ask, he wants all of us to ask for more faith. So we play a role and we also have to cultivate faith in community, right? We can't do this alone, right? If you're trying to set that sailboat up alone, it's going to take a lot longer than if you have some buddies, especially if you've got a really big one, right? And then just finally, some people are gifted with more faith in the body, right? So some people are do have more faith than others. It is a spiritual gift. But there's it's not an out. You know, Jesus or sorry, Paul in, in Corinthians twelve lists the spiritual gifts, and then he says we need to earnestly desire the gifts. That applies to all of us. Right? So we have to we have to seek this faith and, and be desperate, like that father whose boy was demon possessed. But then you may say well well paul you know what about all the prayers that go unanswered what about that we've all prayed for things that are in line with god's character we thought god would do but it didn't come to pass what do we do with that situation and that that's hard uh jesus says whatever you ask you receive if you have faith It's like, Jesus, does he give us a blank check? This verse is controversial, right? Some people have abused this verse, and they said, whatever you name, you can claim, right? The name it, claim it doctrine, right? So we need to look at all of the Bible to see what the whole entire word of God says about this. So some of the reasons that prayers may go unanswered, back to our our passage from today, we may lack faith we may. You can't assume that the reason your prayer isn't being answered is because you lack faith, but it could be that you're lacking faith. Jesus is saying, if you have faith, you can do the mountain moving kingdom works. Maybe you need to be more persistent, like the widow in, in Luke 18. She wanted justice, and she kept going to the judge time and time again. And that judge was like, oh my goodness, I've had it with this widow. Okay, I'm going to give her justice, right? She, went, she never gave up. She was persistent in her prayer, right? That, that could be why our prayers aren't being answered. We're not abiding in Christ. We're, we're, we're in sin or we're not uh, understanding God's will, revealed will in Scripture. Or our prayer is not aligned, and this is the hard one, is not aligned with God's secret will. God has a secret will for to work things out for good. Right? And it's in, in Deuteronomy twenty nine, twenty nine it says that God's secret will is for him alone to know. And there's things that happen in our lives that we don't understand. Why did that happen? And this is where it's God again, back to the brakes trusting. Right? We're back to trusting that God is good, God who can work things for good, even though from our perspective it looks like it's, uh, it's really bad or it's really wrong. With all that said, I think that I want to leave you, though, that Jesus is back to his invitation to dream big in prayer. He invites us to ask for things. In some mysterious way, I do believe we can leave things on the table. Simply, things will not happen because we didn't ask. That's what's implied in the teaching. That if you do not, uh, you know, if if you don't ask, you won't receive. So God is a good father. He's a loving father. He wants to give us good things. He's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think he can he can do more than we can imagine take that invitation from jesus to dream big to think bigger than the poor little old withered fig tree right and and take that invitation and do it with each other with you, with your brothers and sisters i'm going to invite the band up now and uh, we're going to come to a close and you know as i was studying this and and researching this i I kept saying like boy jesus has really got the bar really high like he expects us to have this mountain moving faith like he's like drilling those those poor disciples like telling them they have little faith and what's wrong with you can't you get your faith to function properly and i said how can jesus have such a high expectation and then I, i i thought about it i've already witnessed the biggest miracle in my life the biggest miracle in my life is when Jesus came into my life. He took my heart of stone and turned it to a heart of flesh. He rescued me from my sin. He saw me far off from Him and He brought me close to Him. And He's continuing to do that. The process through sanctification. But that is a miracle. That is the biggest miracle the miracle of salvation. And so, from that miracle, when we reflect on that miracle, all these other mountains that are in front of us, around us, they can go into the sea compared to that miracle. And that miracle needs to be enough for us. So today as we do communion, as we as we reflect on that miracle, um, truly appreciate what Jesus has done for us. Dying on the cross for our sins. Taking our place. Him coming and rescuing us giving us a new heart when we understand that miracle then all the other miracles will seem to to pale in in comparison let's pray Jesus we are just so honored um, again to have your word and so blessed to have your word but even these hard passages that are difficult to understand Lord when we press in when we seek what's deeper Lord we see your goodness Lord that even though there's bad news that we all fall short and we all fail to bear fruit or that you provide a way through faith you give us the things we need Lord to to have that saving faith you it's it's through you, Jesus, that we are saved, not of our own works, but through you and you, the gift from you. Father, we do pray that you would give us not only saving faith, Lord, but mountain-moving faith. Lord, there's a lot of things in our church body and around us and all of us and all of our lives, Lord, that seem like mountains. They seem so huge. And if we're just looking at the surface, like the disciples did, we may miss what's going on. We may miss the fact that you're looking for internal fruit. You're looking for what's inside. Peace and joy. But Lord, obedience to you and trust in you. Lord, things that uh, we need your help to grow in. So God, I pray as we uh, move through this week and and months ahead, Lord, that you would give us this kind of faith and that you would uh, deliver us from all the sin and all of the calamity around us. In Jesus' name we pray.